Welcome once again to the Hyperion Adventures podcast. My name's Tom. I'm here with my lovely wife, Michelle. Hello, hello. Happy Father's Day. Yes, it is our Father's Day edition of our Hyperion Adventures podcast. Shout out to all the Disney dads out there, just like me. We love you all. And also a shout out, a shout out to those single moms out there who have to play part dad and mom in their families. We love you all too, and uh, you know you do a lot for your family. So shout out to everybody that acts as the paternal part of their family, and uh, we're here to bring some fun stuff to you. As always, just in case you haven't listened to us before, we are a Disney couple. We love all things Disney. We love Star Wars. We love Marvel. We love the parks. We love the movies. We love Disney Cruise Line, Run Disney, Vacation Club, Disney Vacation Club, and we are members of the official Disney Fan Club D23, and we love to share that all with you and talk about the stories of the week that happen in the world of Disney and share some tips and some ways to maybe navigate the parks or the cruise line or whatever you are looking to do in a better way. That's right, sweetie. You know, we do really love it. And, you know, part of that has become a result of our researching a lot of things and participating a lot of, like you said, the D23 and being members of the Vacation Club and participating in run Disney events. And what we sometimes see when we're talking to our friends and family is that if you're really not uh, in the know of all the little idiosyncrasies that Disney does offer that you sometimes miss out on some opportunities. And because we really love it, we love to share that information so everybody can have the same rich experience that uh, we've had over the years. Yeah, and we have our thoughts about uh, all the various uh, forms of Disney out there that we like to share with you. And maybe you have some input as well. If you ever want to contact us, you can email us at HyperionAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Hyperion. Hyperion Podcast and on Facebook and Instagram at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. So feel free to contact us. We'd love to hear from you. If you have some questions, if you have your own tips that you'd like us to share, we'll give you full credit for them. Or if you just like to say hi, we would love to hear from you. Anyway, let's get down to it. It is Father's Day and we want to talk fathers here on this edition of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. So especially for this edition, I have come up with a list of the top 10 Disney dads from their animated features out there. These uh, movies were all shown in the theater. You know, there are various movies that are maybe, you know, went to straight to video or at home, but these were actually in the theaters. So without further ado, here is my list of the top 10 Disney dads. I'm going to start right at number 10 with Maurice from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> Maurice is a lovable, quirky inventor. He was always looking for a better life for Belle. And in a time when education for women was kind of frowned upon, he always made sure and supported Belle's thirst for knowledge and supported her as she wanted to read books on end, books left, books right. Uh, he loved her. And that's why I think Maurice is a great Disney dad. That's right. And he also uh, got her involved in helping with some of his inventions and really looking beyond, you know, the what's the little town offer. That's right. That's right. So we love Maurice and uh, definitely a worthy uh, addition to this list. Number nine is James from Princess and the Frog. Now, he 
is only this far down on the list because he just had a small part in this movie. He, of course, passed away, as unfortunately happens in many Disney movies. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Sorry out there. I just gave it away. Oh. Uh, he passes away early in this movie, but the one thing he does before he passes away is he gets Tiana. He instills in her an incredible work ethic. Uh, he encourages to know that good things are rarely handed to you, but they come from hard work. Fairy tales can come true, but you've got to make them happen. It all depends on you. And Tiana be- grows up and to be a wonderful working woman, works hard despite Ended up being a princess that could have had things handed to her. She works hard, even gets Prince Naveen to start working hard. Finally opens, oh, spoiler alert again. Finally <laughs> opens up her own restaurant. And I think, it, you know, it, it's great. And it all is thanks to what her dad gave to her at an early age. Right. And it, it's nice that you bring up that movie. I think that's a movie that doesn't get a lot of credit. Uh, it does have all the wonderful features of a Disney uh, movie in that you do end up with a princess. You, you do end up somebody kissing a frog. <laughs> and, um, you know, like you said, it, it, it does instill a lot of of the things that we love to see in our characters that are that good work ethics and strong uh, personalities right. that, that show people how to make their the world better. And it is actually part of the new world of Disney movies where we see that the princess doesn't always have to rely on a man to save her from these different things. Matter of fact, uh, a lot of the new Disney princesses, starting with Tiana, come through and make things happen on their own. They don't need a prince to come in and sweep them off their feet and take them away from the bad situation. They can solve it themselves. So credit to James. He's our number nine Disney dad. Number eight, and this might be a little controversial, but I think it makes sense, is King Triton from The Little Mermaid. I could see your yeah. face already. You don't <laughs> I'm like that one. trying to figure this one out. Well, okay. He was a bit tough on Ariel. Let's be fat. You know, he was tough on her. But I think we can... Many of us fathers can relate to his situation, okay? He's dealing with a teenage daughter who thinks she knows a little bit more than she really does, just wants to be somewhere else, wants to do other things, whatever, but all he wants to do is protect her and keep her safe from a world that, you know, he has seen bring horrors from the human world, that is, bring horrors to mermaids out there. So he's just trying to keep her safe. Does he make some mistakes, go a little too far? Absolutely. There's no question. He got a little carried away with it. But in the end, he agrees to take Ariel's place, sign Ursula's contract. True. And when it's all said and done, another spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen Little Mermaid Mermaid by now, I'm sorry. (laughs) He ends up allowing Ariel to be human so she can be with the man she loves. Very good point. All right, so you've redeemed your your putting him on the list of wonderful Disney dads. All right, I'm glad I made it there somehow. I knew this one would be controversial. That might might be the most controversial one. This one's a little controversial too, and I'm telling you, but if it weren't for the recent movie, this might not have reached this spot in this list. The number seven Disney dad is Bob Parr, aka Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles and Incredibles 2. Now, we know, we discussed this last week, that right. you had problems with him in the, during the first movie. I did, you know, and, and I agree with you totally that he does belong on the list now. I, I agree that he's redeemed himself in Incredibles 2, and so I will... Uh, I will be in sync with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, at the beginning of in- The Incredibles, 
he is a little bit self-serving, wants his past glory, and is really kind of ignoring his family. But by the end of it, he comes around, realizes his family is the most important thing to him, and really comes around at the end and becomes much more redeeming. In this movie, however, he takes it to another level. He's staked with a task, and I'm assuming you may have seen the movie. If you haven't, this is, not, this is not a real spoiler. It's not going to give away the storyline, except for that he is has to become kind of a stay-at-home dad, you know, taking care of kids, uh, a pre-teenage girl who's having a bit of an identity-slash-boy crisis, a young boy who wants to expand his physical abilities while suffering, struggling in school a little bit, you know. Math is math. And uh, he possibly has a little bit of ADD. He's a little bit of busybody hitting some buttons and gets a little crazy. And, of course, then there's the baby who is just discovering his abilities, and there's a lot of chaos that ensues from that. So he has to take all that in, has his hands full, but, you know, struggles a little bit, but comes to grips with it as it moves on. Proves not only is he a superhero out in the field, he's a superhero with a family. I'll agree with you on that one. He really does redeem himself, and uh, he becomes now one of my favorite characters. There we go. Number six in the Disney dads of all time is Geppetto from Pinocchio. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Geppetto. He is a devoted father, as most of, uh, as much of a devoted father as you'll ever see. Uh, his wish, as a matter of fact, to have a son is what causes Pinocchio to actually become alive. The Blue Fairy hears his wish, comes down, and gives Pinocchio life. Uh, he does his best to send Pinocchio down the right path. Unfortunately, Pinocchio strays, and so he goes and follows after him, trying to get his son back and risks his life. He gets swallowed by a whale just to try and bring his boy back home, set him on the right path again. And, I mean, what else can you ask from a father than what Geppetto brought? That's right. And, you know, again, a very endearing personality in the Disney world. So, Absolutely. good choice. Absolutely. Number five is Pongo. From a 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> not only does Pongo have 15 of his own children, he adopts 84 more. <laughs> that, That's that enough right the there. What else do you need to do? <laughs> Without complaining, he has 99 children. Then he goes to crazy lengths to save those children from Cruella de Vil, who are trying to make, her, make them into a coat. Uh, Pongo great father i agree the good points good well 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 stated that's a big task to take there we go. That's <laughs> 15 kids is crazy enough well you know we'll just adopt another 84 <laughs> all right on to our number four disney dad of all time is marlin from finding nemo and finding dory although marlin we see him he can be a bit of a helicopter dad well Actually, he's a real helicopter dad, you know, always hovering over Nemo, making sure he's all right, kind of trying to put him in the, well, I mean, it's, I guess there's no shallow end of the ocean, but trying <laughs> to keep him safe. Uh, but, you know, I mean, can you really blame him? I mean, the guy was traumatized. He saw his wife and dozens of other children, you know, eaten at the beginning of this movie. Nemo is the only one that survived. So, of course, he wants to take care of him. But in the end, when Nemo is taken away from him, he fights his fears. He travels across the globe, literally across the globe, facing sharks, whales, jellyfish, hungry seagulls, <laughs> and comes away, finds his son, and 
in the end, learns a lesson himself that I don't need to watch over him every single instant. He can take care of himself. And that's what I think makes Marlon a great father. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, I think I probably would have put him a little higher on the list. Mm. But um, always question. I know, I know. But I, you know, I think you're right. I mean, it's another great transformation story of a dad realizing some things about himself. You know, reflecting and and realizing that some of the qualities that he thought were going to really protect his son were were not really helping the the situation and was not allowing his son to to grow and mature. So, mm-hmm. good choice. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, onward we go. We're in the top three now. Our number three Disney dad is Faju from Mulan. Oh, He's a great Disney dad. Despite Mulan's struggles with finding a place in a world where women are pretty much better seen than her. As a matter of fact, they they keep telling her to hold her tongue in the presence of a man, you know. Uh, He always shows nothing but love for her, even though she's struggling to find that place within that space. that world. Um, and in the end of the movie, again, spoiler alert, when she comes home, presents him with a sword of Sh- uh, the sword of Sean Yu, proving the honor that she has brought to the family, he ha- lays it aside and just goes in to hug her and tell her that the greatest honor is her being his daughter. And I mean, tell me that doesn't just yeah, break you up. Yeah, it me up right now. Yeah. I agree. Uh, actually, the other scene in that movie mm-hmm. with him that I thought was super touching is realizing that um, when she had her experience with the matchmaker mm-hmm. and it went very poorly, and you could tell he didn't yet know the details, but he saw in her face that she didn't feel like she was successful and how he you know, really tried to tell her to move on that, you know, there are times that you're going to struggle, but mm-hmm. you continue to keep trying to improve. And so I thought that was also a very touching time that he, he didn't play the judge to her at that moment, even though it was an important thing for him to see her succeed in that. He encouraged her to try again. Yeah, I, I think the, the uh, statement that he gave, actually, and I'm paraphrasing here, was is something along the lines of the sometimes the greatest flower is... The one that blooms late. And I think that's right, what he's talking right. about, Mulan. Something along those lines. Exactly. But yes, yes. Uh, Faju, fantastic dad. On to number two. Number two Disney dad is Mufasa from The Lion King. Mufasa. Ooh. You're not crazy about this No, one? I am. I am. Can't get enough. <laughs> Mufasa, of course, is the king of the pride lands, and he spends Simba's early years teaching him how to, he doesn't become a man, how to become a lion, but essentially become a man, and uh, how to become the future king. Uh, unfortunately, a, a spoiler, I'm going to stop saying spoiler alert. <laughs> he loses his life protecting his son from certain death. Uh, you know, the ultimate sacrifice there to protect his son, proving his father. Yet still, the lessons he shared in an early age with Simba inspire his son to remember who he is, return to the Pride Lands, and reestablish his father's fallen kingdom. Mufasa was a great dad. Right. And that was one of the early movies that really highlighted a dad and showed Mufasa's his side of being the the father, the the king, and showing that 
you know, there are some responsibilities and duties that as you grow older and mature, you need to carry out. But he also showed the lighter side of him and how he was playful with his son. And that was a nice rounded experience in that movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. So definitely warranted. Some of people might even put him up top. Right. Uh, he's number two on our list. Mufasa, the number two Disney dad of all time. Number one. Drum Here roll. we are. The number one Disney dad of all time is Goofy <laughs> from a Goofy movie you and an extremely correct. Goofy movie. Correct. Tell My me favorite. there isn't the more perfect dad out there than Goofy. He is everybody's dad. He's a bit dorky, tells a few too many dad jokes. His son is embarrassed by him all the time. He is the total dad we all know and love. All he wants to do is return his son back to that spot where he used to be when he was younger, right by his side, enjoying all those good times from the past. But his son's growing up. He wants to be his own person. So they go out on this great journey, trying to do all these things. Goofy just, it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a comedy of errors all constantly throughout it. Yet Goofy is lovable throughout it. And in the end, he goes out of his way, despite fighting on what he really wanted to do with Max and not being happy with the decision Max has made, he goes out and sneaks his son into the Powerline concert and fulfills Max's dream. Max looks on him in a whole new light. He's the perfect dad, the perfect he Disney is. dad. He is. And if you have never seen a Goofy movie, it is just a cute, darling little little movie to watch. And actually, um, the theme song from their road trip is one of my uh, run training <laughs> songs. So it's just kind of a funny, cute little song. But you're right. Goofy uh, is a dad that has struggles. But he, he puts the uh, definition in every dog has his day. It's just every dad. I am that dad. I'm that dad that tells the dumb dad jokes that embarrasses their children. It's it's your dad. It's my dad. It's everybody's dad. Goofy is the perfect dad. Right. And the movie shows that, you know, as kids, you eventually see beyond that goofiness or beyond that embarrassment and see the qualities of a real good dad. So. So that's it. That's our top list. 10 list of Disney dads. If you have any input on this, if you want to share your own picks in there, maybe you think we got it not quite right, please feel free to email us, HyperionAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. We would happily love to hear what you have to say about this list. On to our news and notes of the week. And I know you teased a little bit about The Incredibles 2, so I'm going to start out right with an Incredibles 2 story to get us into that. And that is that Incredibles 2 at this point has already had the largest opening day of any animated feature box office-wise. The sequel to The Incredibles has collected, to, as of Friday, at, excuse me, on Friday, up $71.5 million. Wow. And that includes $18.5 million from the Thursday sort of preview, you know, the, the late night screenings. Uh, it's forecasted to get well over $150 million going into the weekend. Uh, that would surpass the past leader, which was another Disney Pixar film, Finding Dory, that was $135 million. Some people think it might go as high as $180 million, wow. but it's going to be a very successful weekend for Incredibles 2 and it's worthy of being successful because it is a very good movie, as we told you last week. Right. Can't wait to see it again, for sure. So as you teased all week, I think people want to hear this story. You had teased all week on on Twitter and Facebook uh, that what Brad Bird had to say about The Incredibles, 
possibly joining up with the Avengers? Right. That question came up um, to him when we were there at the, the screening. And, you know, one would have expected somebody to say yes or no, right, to a question like that, but not Brad Bird. He's such a phenomenal storyteller. So his response to that question, after he thought for a second, was to tell us a story. And he said, you know, when you have Thanksgiving dinner. Each of those dishes are great. And sometimes you can blend some of the things, like the cranberry sauce goes well with the turkey, right? But if you were to take all those and mix everything up together on your plate, it really wouldn't be very appealing and wouldn't be very great to look at. And so he felt that although the uh, Incredibles were a great uh, league of superheroes of their own. They really weren't going to be mixed in with Marvel's Avengers. And I agree with them. As much as I like some of the uh, mixing of universes, you know, or some additions into the Marvel Universe, I think we're starting to get a little too carried away. Let's keep Marvel here. Let's keep The Incredibles over here. Let's keep Star Wars over here and just enjoy all those universes in and of themselves. I pretty much agree, except I, I really think I would like to see Jack-Jack in the next Avengers movie. <laughs> I, I think he could do some damage yeah, there. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> Nothing else. I mean, they, they like a lot of funny lines in the Avengers movies. That's uh, true. Jack-Jack is as hilarious as can be. Uh, another thing that you may have noticed if you watched The Incredibles 2 this weekend, or if you haven't seen it yet, uh, when you see it next, is... Some of the incredible animation that's within this movie. And this was another thing that was pointed out at the live cast that Sam Jackson actually pointed out. He's like, you know how good the animation has gotten in these movies when the waffles look real. And I want to eat those waffles. <laughs> There's a great scene inside The Incredibles 2 where they're making waffles. And let me tell you, they look delicious. They really do. <laughs> they really do. But you know, if you've seen the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, you'll, you'll see it. Go, go watch the original Incredibles first. And then go watch Incredibles 2. And you'll see the amazing work they've done with the animation. It is incredible what they've done and with some of the close-ups, uh, some visual distortions. It is an amazing, amazing movie and amazing work that the, these animators have done. Right. Like they pointed out, uh, they had some real challenges in the initial Incredibles with hair. And uh, when Incredibles 2 was finally created, they, they kind of, they really got it. And they kind of flaunted that out with a scene where uh, um, Vi is doing her hair. So that's something else you can look forward to in the movie. And the other thing I just want to point out, um, we've gotten some feedback on Facebook from some of you all about your feelings of the Incredibles that you've seen. And everybody's really been uh, really enjoying it and loving mm -hmm. it. Uh, there have been a couple people that wrote to me that uh, for their smaller kids, there, there was some times that they were a little scared. And I think we mentioned that last, um, last week on that too. And I don't want to make people shy from taking their kids, but just, you know, putting it out there, there are some very intense scenes at times. It's a fast paced movie. And so for some of the toddlers, it might be a little bit much to take in. So. I've also seen this out there. There's some warnings that uh, if those people that suffer with, from epilepsy, that uh, there are some scenes in there with some really flashing lights right. and distinct, that if you suffer from that, you may want to take it easy on this one because there, there are some sort of intense scenes with those things going on. So just be warned before you go into the movie. We want you to have a great uh, movie watching experience. Right. We don't want to leave that impression that it's it's a difficult movie to see. No, but we great. just want to put those few little points that, like I said, we've heard from some of you all on this. Yes, absolutely. Moving on to another story. Uh, this has to do with Disney's purchase of 
uh, 21st Century Fox that we've been hearing about for a long time now. Well, it looks like there now could be someone else that might jump in front of Disney, and there's going to possibly be a fight on their hands. Comcast has bid $65 billion, reportedly $65 billion, to buy 21st Century Fox's film and TV assets. Uh, it's... 19% more than what Disney agreed to pay back in December. They offered $52.4 billion, so this could lead to a fight. I know Disney wants to really wants to bring in a lot of Fox's uh, characters and their assets. And, you know, one, they want to reunite as many of the Marvel characters as they can. You know, Fox owns the X-Men. They own Fantastic Four. Uh, they really want to try and bring them all in. They also want to bring in Avatar. I mean, we already know we have Pandora in uh, Animal Kingdom out at Walt Disney World. They want to keep bringing that in, so that would bring in Avatar. And they want to bring in uh, other elements. You know, Disney is looking to kind of combat in the future, near future with Netflix with their own streaming service. Uh, and they really feel that bringing in 21st Century Fox is the key to make sure that that happens so they have enough to put on that, uh, you know, that system. Right, and I was really looking forward to seeing Homer Simpson <laughs> being uh, the next Disney princess. <laughs> really? <laughs> That'd be something. Uh, anyway, so this will be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. Uh, I know that there's some shareholders media coming, meetings coming up, and it'll be interesting to see how this lays out in the future. Onwards to the parks. Let's have some park talk. Tokyo Disney Sea, a theme park that's located next door to Tokyo Disneyland, is going to have a huge upgrade. Uh, the company that runs it, it's not actually run by Disney. Disney licenses it to another company, but uh, the company that runs it has promised that they're going to put $2.3 billion into renovations and upgrades uh, into this park. They're going to add a frozen land, a tangled land, and a Peter Pan area. I don't know if they're going to be full lands, but they're going to be more areas. And I think that what I read is there's going to be the first ever uh, tangled attraction there. So that's going to be interesting to see how they what they do with that area. Great. And I have some park news, too. Oh, exciting. Uh, so this past week, later in the week, the uh, some of the cast members at Walt Disney World have been uh, been some special inv invitations have gone out to cast members to test ride the Slinky Dog wow. Dash. Yes, and they were um, tweeting out some of their their feedback on it. So I have a couple here. Yeah, let's to hear. Share. So Valerie at Val M. Rodriguez says, Toy Story Land is going to blow your minds. Mm. Also, it might blow your hats away, too, since I didn't take mine off during Slinky oh, Dog no. Roller Coaster and lost it. Oh, boy. Um, Kevin Levine at Kevin Watch a Film says, Slinky Dog Dash is an awesome family-friendly roller coaster and is much, in caps, better than Seven Dwarfs Mine. Wow. That's a pretty good ride to be better than, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, um, and Amanda, Amanda A. Jones says, rode Slinky Dog Dash two times today and loved it so much. It's so cute and goes way faster than you think. I can't wait for it to open in two weeks. Nice. So. Yes. Yeah, so, as we all know, Toy Story Land is opening on June 30th. It's exciting. We're looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to, if you haven't heard already, uh, unfortunately, they won't have any soft openings, but it looks like annual pass holders might get uh, a little bit of a look at it uh, kind of on their 
on their own when the crowds are a little bit smaller uh, coming up in September. That's Oh, and uh, Pixar Pier out at the Disneyland Resort at Disney's California Adventure. That is opening up next weekend on the 23rd, unless you want to go to the preview, which is on the 22nd. Uh, and and there, matter of fact, the Incredibles uh, – Parade float that is in the Paint the Night Parade, that is also coming out on the 23rd, and it will be an addition to that parade. So that's exciting stuff. One more story I want to get to really quickly before we move on, and that is some fun news that uh, it's been out there for a little bit, but I just saw it this week. Uh, This week, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is going to honor Robert and Richard Sherman by presenting the Sherman Brothers A Hollywood Songbook. Wow. Yeah. Well-deserved. Yes, well-deserved, well-deserved. The event's going to feature Richard Sherman himself, along with composer Michael Giacchino, uh, Leonard Maltin's going to be there. Dick Van Dyke's going to be there. Anthony Gonzalez, you may know him from Coco. He's going to be there. Leslie Ann Warren, Leanne Rimes, Kenny Loggins, and uh, John Stamos will be hosting the event. So that's really going to be exciting. Uh, unfortunately, tickets are sold out right now, but oh. they did say this is happening Wednesday, June 20th at the Samuel Golden Theater in Beverly Hills. Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Beverly Hills at 5.30. They're going to hand out some standby numbers. So if you want to take a crack at it, if you're in Southern California, L.A., San Diego, Orange County, if you're in that area, you really want to see this. It sounds like it's going to be a great event. You can take your chance at possibly getting a, you know, a standby ticket, you know, and hey might be a little fun. Maybe you can hear it from the outside. Who knows? But anyway, it's a great honor, and we're really happy that uh, to hear the show. But we saw... Uh, we saw Richard Sherman perform at D23, the D23 Expo last year, and he's still great. He's he great. is great. He is great. And still one of my all-time favorite stories is the one where uh, after Mary Poppins was released, uh, that Walt on Friday evenings would call the Sherman brothers into his office and ask them to play Feed the Birds. And um, they said frequently Walt would would even tear up for that and, and that then sadly after his passing they kept that tradition for quite a while uh, for several years going to his office on Friday evenings and playing that on his behalf chokes me up every I know, time I can, we've, I'm having a hard time we've, telling we've you gotten a couple tours if you, if you haven't gone on a tour at the parks before uh, I highly recommend them they're so much fun you learn so much they're interesting uh, do it you know we did we've done the keys to the kingdom we've walked on walk in Walt's footsteps. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun and you learn some great things. And that is one of the stories they tell. And it gets me every Every single time. Agreed. So that's it for our news and notes of the week. Now we move on to a new segment that's going to happen occasionally here. Every once in a while, we are going to have a visit from a friend of ours. I was talking with him uh, a week or so ago and he was telling me, look, I'm a huge Disney fan, love Star Wars, love Marvel, but I haven't been to Disneyland since I was five. I've never been to Walt Disney World. I've never been on a Disney cruise. I like to run. I'm thinking about doing a Disney run, but I've never done anything with Run Disney. So I said, hey, let's bring you in. Have you ask us a question every week and see if we can kind of expand your knowledge a little bit on what you can expect if you go into a park. So... This is our friend Dan. I like to call him Dan the Rookie Disney fan. And every once in a while, he's going to join us to give us a question. And here's his question for this week. Hey, Tom. Hey, Michelle. 
Uh, love your new podcast. I think it's great that you're bringing this perspective, this uh, this this insight, all these cool little tricks and and tips for anyone who ever wants to visit Disney California Adventure, the Disneyland Resort, Walt Disney World, etc. But for as you call me a rookie Disney fan, what is the best advice you can give to someone? who A, either hasn't been to any of the Disneyland resorts or parks, or someone who hasn't been in, say, I don't know, 25-plus years, what's the best advice you can give them? Where should they go? What should they do that's most important for the first time in a long time, for that matter? Thanks, guys. Love the pod. Thanks, Dan. Uh, oh, we definitely have answers for that. I think what first place you go to is us. If you have a question about Disney Parks, we're here to answer it for you. But there's lots of information out there. And I think the best thing you can do, actually, is study up. Before you go into any of these parks, kind of have a game plan going in. Know how to attack it. I don't know if you agree with that. I do. I do. And one of the best ways that I would suggest, if I could only provide somebody one tip, is to uh, get onto the My Disney Experience, whether it's Disneyland or Disney World. And from there, you can really start. That's where you can start searching things, seeing what's available, making your reservations from there. You can make your resort reservations from there. If you're going to stay on property, you can make your dining reservations. But it's just a great source of finding out what's going on. They they break it down really nice where they have things to do, places to eat, to just kind of keep it easy to start the attack of trying to get that information. Absolutely. And like I said, if you have questions out there, we love to answer them. You know, you can email us, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter. We are happy to answer them. But there's also another great uh, outlet out there if you have questions, and that is the Disney Parks Moms Panel. They are the, a group of moms and dads, dads and dads that are out there that they're what they do is they sit and wait for your questions to come in. They're experts and they are happy to help you with anything that might happen in the Disney world, whether it be Disney Cruise Line, Run Disney, uh, Disneyland Resort. Uh, they are happy to help you out, as are we. Right. They have um, obviously they're selected for that uh, role because they do have experience. They have to demonstrate they've done some some of these things uh, throughout the year. And they're a great resource for answering really um, some specific questions that you might not be able to find the information directly either on the Disney website mm-hmm. or some other sources. So, yes, they are also a great resource. Yes. But uh, the main thing, like I said in the, at the beginning of this, is to plan it out. Uh, all parks, especially Walt Disney World, can be a little overwhelming when you first go in there. You know, Walt Disney World has four theme parks, two water parks, a slew of hotels, um, all sorts of things you can do. And it, it can overtake you if you're not prepared to go there. And so just plotting your days out, kind of having an idea of what you want to do. You don't need to lay it out hour by hour by hour. But kind of have a general goal. Yeah, I know you'd like to do <laughs> I that. I doing that. Yeah, I know. Yes. But I, I, you know, having a general idea of what you want to do and what order you want to do them in really will help you along the lines as you move throughout your trip. Right. So, Dan, step one is get the My Disney Experience app on your phone or go to their uh, Disney website and sign up for the My Disney Experience uh, based on the park that you want to research first. And uh, at a future podcast, we will be talking about some of the more uh, intricate details of planning for a Disney vacation. Thanks again to Dan, the rookie Disney fan. We're looking forward to hearing more from him as we go on through our podcasts. And 
Since we've just given him a tip, let's get on to our tips of the week. And we lead off, as we always do, with Michelle. Well, thanks. Uh, Okay, so my tip has to do with Disney World, so going to East Coast. And so it's the idea of how to do a day at Disney without being in the parks. Because sometimes you might find that the parks are really too busy, or for the amount of time you're staying there, you might not have a pass for that day. So Walt Disney World is rich with themed resort hotels. And you can make a foodie adventure day. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so fun. Right, right. And what's really nice is they don't charge for parking if you're just going to a resort for a short time to go to um, eat. So that's a good thing. So here's just kind of a little sampling itinerary that you could do. You could start your morning at Port Orleans. So, Mm. you know, go down to Narlins and have some warm, yummy beignets. And, and, And the other thing to do is remember to take a walk around these resorts. They're really beautiful. The landscaping is amazing, and it's very different at each one. And you're going to burn off some of that food. That That's you're right. Eat, you know. Good point. So from there, you can head over to the Yacht and Beach Club area and soak in their entire property. It's really beautiful. You're even right close to the boardwalk there, so you could take a stroll over on the boardwalk. Uh, and then you, now that you've worked off some of that breakfast, you can stop in Beaches and Cream for wow. diner fare, and they have the best malts or milkshakes <laughs> there. So, Wow. Uh, and then from there, you can get your Brit on and <laughs> have afternoon tea at the Grand Floridian. Oh, we've done that many times. We love that. Exactly. And again, another beautiful resort. Just the lobby there is amazing. Uh, if nothing else, if you, if you get a chance to go walk through the lobby, especially during holidays, mm-hmm. but it's always very, very beautiful. All the hotels, by the way, during the holidays. Yeah, it, uh, You can have amazing. fun just taking a tour of all the hotels and seeing how they decorate for the holidays. It's, it's fantastic. It is. It is. But they have a wonderful afternoon tea each day at the Grand Floridian. Reservations are really... Um, recommended it's you sometimes can get a walk-in there especially if they've had a last-minute cancellation Um, but again uh, if you get an opportunity for that that's really an enjoyable event it's also fun if you're in the parks and want to come out and cool down for a while that's another the afternoon tea is another good advice there Uh, from there you can go over and get your adventure on at Trader Sam's Grog Grotto oh, Bar. Trader Sam's, yes. Yes. Love it. They have fun food and libations, a lot of fun things happening in their uh, in their lounge there that are fun. Um, it's, it's really a takeoff of the Jungle Cruise. You right. see some of the things on the walls are actually from the Jungle Cruise or reminders of the Jungle Cruise. If you don't Cruise. know who Trader Sam is, Trader Sam is the... The headhunter head on the Jungle Cruise that holds up the shrunken heads, and, you know, you know, one of your heads for two of his, his, you know, yeah, it, that's that's Trader Sam, and apparently he's made enough money from those shrunken heads that he's opened up a couple bars. <laughs> so right. good for Trader Both Sam. Goes. That's right. So yeah, and they're fun. They're, they have, um, like I said, they have fun food, fun drinks. The what's inside the bar has a lot of enjoyment. Certain drinks. Uh, result in some fun activities going on there. So I don't want to do any spoilers, but uh, that's a nice stop to to go on for your foodie adventure. Uh, And then again, take time to walk around the beautiful grounds of the Polynesian Resort. You'll feel like you just arrived into the tropics Mm -hmm. of the Pacific there. Um, 
And then if you still have time or energy, you can take a boat ride from the Contemporary over to the Wilder- Fort Wilderness Resorts. And there's a ton of fun activities mm-hmm. that you can do there. Um, they have buggy rides, horse and buggy rides, touring the area, the campgrounds. They have a campfire program each night. You can uh, heat up and make some s'mores wow. and watch movies. Chip and Dale come out. That's a lot of fun. Uh, you can mosey over to Crockett's Tavern <laughs> and have a late nightcap there. Uh, while you're waiting to watch the fireworks and the electrical parade at night that comes through on the waterways there. And what's really nice at that property is um, by their beachfront, they do have a really nice playground. So kids can be uh, running around on the playground, the slides, and playing games while you're waiting to watch the fireworks from uh, the the uh, beachfront there. So that's just a little light oh, that's touch. Just, I mean, those are all great places, but there are so many more. Go out there and explore. They, they have so many great places to eat, drink, just have a good time at the Walt Disney World Resort. Right. It's nice because there are places where you can just get a small bite or you can have an entire meal if you want, but just to experience some different themes there and wonderful different foods that you're not going to find in the parks. And these were just a lot of the little fun areas to go to. We didn't even talk about some of the really exquisite uh, restaurants they have in some of these resorts. I mean, really high-end food. I mean, as good as you can find anywhere in the world. Right. So on to my tip. Now, my tip this week is we're going to go into to the world of Disney Cruise Line. Now, many of you out there, you maybe you haven't cruised with Disney before. Maybe you have, and so you may know this, but when you book your cabin, you should absolutely book a cabin that you want to be sure you have. The, 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 this is the least I can do. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do... I don't want to be stuck in an inside cabin, or I don't want to only have a window. If you want a balcony, go up, get a balcony. If you want a window, get a window if you're okay with an inside cabin, they have great inside cabins on Disney Cruise Lines. Go ahead and get an inside cabin. But be happy with that cabin because there's no guarantee of an upgrade. But sometimes you can secure an upgrade in port. Now, these won't be free. You know, Some cruise lines will bump you up sometimes for free. This won't usually happen. It's very extremely rare with Disney that they'll bump you up uh, cruise-wise for free. But a lot of times when you get to the port, you can actually pay just a little bit more and get a real a nicer cabin. Now, it just depends on what cabin you want to move to. If you want to move from an inside cabin to the Royal Suite, you're going to pay a lot of money still, okay? But it's going to be a lot less than if you booked it on, on at to begin with when you first booked your cabin. It will be less. Now, these aren't always available, but here's the process if they are available for how you can do that. First thing you do is when you get to the port, and this is good for Port Canaveral, it's good for Miami, it's good for San- wherever Disney Cruise Line sails out of. First, go check in for your cruise. Go very If you want to possibly get an upgrade, go very, very early. Check in at, the, at your regular desk where you're assigned to check in. As soon as you are done checking in, Go to the supervisor's desk, the supervisor's counter. If you don't know where that is, just go ahead and ask an agent. They'll be able to direct you to there. Sometimes there's a sign that will say, no upgrades available. If that's the case, you have the cabin you have. You're happy with it because you booked a good cabin that you're happy with to begin with, and you're fine. But a lot of times there are cabins available for upgrade. You can go up to them, ask them what's available. They'll give you a list. They have a set price for what these bump-ups will be, and they'll tell you what's available if you find something that's in your price range that moves you, you know, from an inside to an outside, an outside to a balcony, a balcony to a concierge suite, 
Uh, if you find one that you like, you can just go ahead and, you know, they'll take it right off your, the, off your account. They'll move you into that cabin. Your luggage will be delivered to you in that cabin. Sometimes they have a few problems with that. But usually they're pretty good at diverting your luggage to where it needs to be. And there you go. You'll have this great new cabin. Uh, like I said, it's not always available, but when it is, it's a fantastic uh, chance to get a wonderful cabin for a little less money. That's a great tip. It really is. And we've talked to people on the cruise that have done that, who have done the at port upgrades. And it's been amazing, some of the stories that we've heard. Yeah. And uh, on our transatlantic, we met a couple that had actually done that from an inside cabin into concierge. And so uh, what a what a wonderful treat for them. But like you said, it's it's a great idea to first book at least what you're going to be happy yeah. for because it, it, there are no guarantees. Don't depend on any cruise line. Don't depend on that you're going to get upgraded. There's right. no guarantees that you'll get upgraded. So make sure that whatever cabin you book to begin with is at least the minimum of what you'll be happy with on that cruise ship. But, you know, great some, tip. sometimes, sometimes a great cabin opens up. You can get treated like royalty, even though you're always treated by royalty on a Disney cruise line uh, sailing. So that's it for this week. Let me tell you, next week, I'm so excited for next week. Next week, we are going to have our very first guest appearing on the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Our guest is going to be, she's great. This is going to be fantastic and a lot of fun. It's Nicole Ecabellis, who spent several years working in guest relations and as a tour guide and hostess at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, She also spent some time working at Disney Store as well. Uh, She's going to have some great stories to tell about uh, working at the Disneyland Resort. I believe that she may have even overseen the Dream Suite a few times, so she might have some stories about that as well. Should be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited about that. Exactly. I can't wait either because I know that um, stories from Disney parks is something that I really enjoy hearing about, and the backstage kind of information is always helpful, too, when you're trying to identify some things to do on your next trip. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Maybe she'll have some tips, maybe because she can add into our tip segment as well. But yeah, very excited. Next week is going to be a great episode. So thanks again for joining us on another edition, the Father's Day edition of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I want to thank Dan Noon. Dan, the rookie Disney fan, for his question. If you have any questions for us, if you have any suggestions, if you have any tips, if you just want to say hi, if you want to comment on our show, feel free to email us, Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, Hyperion Adventures Podcast, our website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. We are now available. We're available on SoundCloud. We're available on iTunes and Google Play where you can subscribe to us and we'll come right to your phone or device. You won't need to search us out. We'll come right to you if you go there. We're also now available on Stitcher. So find us however you want to find us. And we're just so happy that you listen to us every week. So thanks again for joining us. We're looking forward to hearing from you during the week. And we'll be talking to you next week. Bye.